Well, good morning, everybody. Jeremy Carter from Rapport Leadership. I'd like to welcome you along to the call today. Uh, we're going to be having a discussion about challenges in childcare and the secrets to building a positive culture and engaging staff and really building a strong team. And I'm really excited on the call today. We've got both Sue McIntyre, Director of Green Meadows Preschool. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Jeremy. And also Albina Porison, who's Director of um, Beaumont Hills Early Daycare Centre. Welcome along, Albina. Thanks, Jeremy. It's Beaumont Hills Long Day Preschool in the Parkway Childcare Centre. Excellent. So I think to frame up this conversation today, I think we ought to just start a little bit about leadership because when we look at building teams in any organization it comes down a lot to what's the who is the leader and how are they how are they building those teams because the teams always end up being a reflection of the leader and if we look at essentially what's involved with leadership it's about it's about three things it's about vision which is clarity of where you're going and what you want to create and then it's about finding the right team and aligning them along with that vision. And in order to do that, what's required is a lot of communication, a lot of expectation setting, a lot of feedback. And one of those things is that this is, uh, this is difficult work because it's something that tends to be very important but not urgent. And what I mean by that is these are easily tasks that you can put off and you can put them off till tomorrow and you can put them off till next week and it won't have re any real impact on your business. But when you look at the longer term, it has a significant impact on the business. The other thing that leaders are required to do in creating uh, these aligned teams is to really create a great culture. And that's what we'll be talking about today. And I read a great definition once of what is culture and somebody, somebody said it's what happens when the boss isn't around. So for me, it's much more around... Well, it's often the unwritten rules of business, the things that aren't actually documented. Very often it's the way in which you interact. And it's amazing in some offices the culture is that people will come in, they'll walk to their desks, they'll sit down, they don't even say hello. And um, yes. other offices, <laughs> it's a lot more around actually taking that personal interest in people and building strong relationships because really relationships are the foundation of teams. The other thing that's really important with culture is also the values, which is an organization you embrace. At Rapport Leadership, we're a leadership-based organization. So we have four, and only four, values that are part of our company. And I think these are really essential to leadership. And the first one's about courage, being prepared to feel the fear and do it anyway, step up and have the tough conversations with people. The second one, and this is really important, is integrity, which is when you give uh, your word, your word is your bond, and you do whatever it takes to keep the commitments that you make. So you don't, uh, you don't make commitments lightly. The third one is passion, and this is really important for leaders because if you're not passionate about what you're doing and where you're going, you can, you can uh, be sure that your team's not going to be either. And the last point of culture for rapport leadership is heart. And this is all about really connecting with people and understanding for understanding them and caring them, and uh, caring for them enough sometimes to to give them the the uh, honest feedback they need to go to that next level. So we call this our leadership chip C H I P: courage, heart, integrity, and passion. The uh, so what if, what would um, what would uh, you ha think about culture, Sue? 
I often describe culture in the way that the centre feels. So when you walk into the rooms or when you walk into a different room, it's the way that it feels. Um, so um, it feels good when you can hear people being welcomed, um, when the children are, are playing and the tone of the room is um, comfortable, there's chatty um, talk. Um, sometimes you'll hear singing and reading. Um, it's also about, um, I guess, the way that um, staff talk to each other, so um, the way that the adults are interacting. And, um, yeah, I often describe it as a good feeling, that it feels good to be in the room. Fantastic. And what about from you, Albina? Yeah, I pretty much I agree with what Sue has said and um, going through what we've developed for our teams, we've actually created a team mission ourselves to provide that culture. Um, and yeah, the way that it feels that when you walk into a centre, it has, our centres have a homely feel, but you can still see the learning that goes on through play. When, um, when you come into the centre, it's very inviting. So I do agree with what Sue has said. So coming back to something that Sue said, it's, it's very often also the way in which we speak to each other. And these are the simple things like the pleases and the thank yous and the giving acknowledgement for when work is done well. And one of the things about culture is that it's something that really needs to be initially created with your team, where you sit down and you say, well, what do we need? What do we need as individuals to succeed and to really enjoy our roles? And when you do that and you document it, then what happens is you get buy-in from your team and your team will, will take responsibility for helping people be part of the culture. Because one of the challenges is to build a strong culture takes a lot of work and that work can easily be undone if you, if you take your focus off it. And it's a very slippery slope. And what happens all the time is that people will challenge the culture. They want to really test how committed are you to that because very often people want things their own way. So what are the, some of the things you found in terms of helping to reinforce the, pot, the culture you're looking to create in your centres? Sue? Um, that's a good question. I, I would say, uh, using an example, um, one of the cultural things I like in my centre is that for the first time that you see someone during the day, whether it's a, a parent or um, a colleague or another child um, that you say good morning and use their name. So it's good morning Emily, how are you today? Um, and I think that sets a nice tone for the day and it also means that within a few minutes of being in the centre everyone's been spoken to. Um, I think the challenge is when some people don't feel well, they might have had a difficult morning or there might be some challenging things going on at home or they might be in conflict with someone at work. Sometimes that will drop off. Um, and so one of the things that I do is I'll go and say good morning to that person just to remind them that that's what we do. And if they don't follow through, I might say to them, you know, how, how are you going? How can I help you? Um, because you haven't said good morning to people, it's obvious that something's bothering you. Um, and use that as the point of you know starting discussions, and often at that point people will talk about what's what's troubling them and and you can help them to get back on track. Um, and 
I think you're right. It's all those unspoken things that happen. It's the things that we pick up on intuitively about things not being right when the routine and the culture is not happening. That tends to be the indicators or a warning bell that things are not right within the team. And even though you might yes. not know at that point what it is, they're the, um, they're the warning signs. And that's an uh, interesting thing in that very often people don't make the psychological shift from their personal lives into their professional lives. And it doesn't matter what else is going on in your personal life. When you're at work and you're on the payroll, you're a professional. And mm. something I've found to work quite successfully with some of the businesses I've worked with is to actually give the staff an anchor to actually help them cross uh, from their personal lives back into their professional lives. And this is to actually physically stop before they walk in the front door to take a deep breath and to check their level of energy, to also yes. take a moment to be clear on what their intention and outcome is for the day in terms of I'm really looking forward to having an amazing day and I can't wait to create some great experiences for the kids. And what this helps do is to actually give, allow people the opportunity to let go of what's been happening in their personal lives and to really put their professional attitude on. Yeah, and I think that that's challenging for some people. It's challenging to switch on and off as they move from home to work because sometimes what they're managing might be quite um, difficult. Mm. But it is important when you work with children that you can do that. Um, yes. Over very the years, much so. It is very yeah, important, over, I agree. Over the years, you know, we've all experienced working with people that have been through some some difficult situations and they come to work the next day but no matter how difficult that is um, and we've all probably been there ourselves when we work with children we can't bring that to the table with them um, because um, it's not appropriate if uh, my personal opinion and belief after you know 25 years in the industry is that if you're unable to cross that threshold into a professional role then that's when you need to take leave. Um, and it might be personal leave for a short time or it might be extended leave for a longer period or it might be that you step back from the role um, depending on the circumstances. But it's never okay to bring that into the classroom in front of children. Um, it's, it's not their job to support us at work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's correct. That's very true. They, they need to understand that very much so. Um, what ways we've used the intention idea and another anchor idea that we've, we're introducing is our lanyard with um, um, their names and responsible people listed on their chest. So that seems to be quite a good initiative from our team at the moment to um, understand that shift from personal life to work life. So that's another way that we're introducing for that to happen. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that one. Um, other ideas we've Keep had going. for it we've, we've, sorry what were you saying Jeremy Keep talking Alina yep no problem um, so other things that yeah it's very important for them to greet each other we've always said that as well like greeting everyone in the in the centres anyone that comes through the door we all look up and say hello um, we've used the ideas of appreciation books, books to build the team rapport um, so people's talk about what they appreciate in the centre or what someone's done for them. So 
also we get that positive culture happening. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned before, we also looked at a team philosophy. Um, and so all the team got together early on in the year because we've had some new people come in and we've, we've worked together to build our new philosophy and work with that to create our team and looked at the forming and norming the Tuckman stages of teams to look at how we're building our team to a um, performing stage. So, so these strategies have worked well. Um, and also meetings, but for me, I think personally, I know what you said, Jeremy, before about um, making time for those personal meetings, it is quite essential and, and speaking the truth in plain English. We, we often try, and this is my flaw as well and something I have to work on, I'm trying not to upset them at the same time, but sometimes I need to just give them the plain truth and say, this is what we need to do and you need to help do that and how can we do it and ask them that question so that we can all um, work together and encourage that positive team as well. That's uh, one of the challenges is the level of perception required to be an effective leader. And you mentioned, Albina, that it's really important culture in your centre. You stop and look up and greet the person by name, make eye contact with them. And one of the yeah. things that I always do with my staff is silently I ask myself, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are they at? And is it worth me spending a little bit more time in terms of actually asking them if I notice their body language is a little bit off? Hi, Albina, how are you today? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your level of energy today? Mm. And if I get back a 6 or a 7, okay, what's required to really get you to an 8 or a 9? Right. But that's a really important thing to be aware of, the level of energy that people are bringing to the workplace because that's really going to impact everything they do and the people around them because the challenge is if someone comes in at a four or a five energy level, they tend to drag the rest of the team down as well. Yeah, good point. One of the things that I've found helpful too is actually teach people how to answer a greeting. So we teach them to greet but also to how to answer a greeting. So if, um, if I have a staff member that comes in and I say, um, good morning, Jeremy, how are you today? And they answer with the truth, which might be, you know, that it's been quite a difficult morning, then they, that's what they bring with the energy that, that comes in that yeah. answer. Sometimes if you teach them to say, well, thank you, how are you today? And I say, well, thanks, and then we just keep going. Like it's modelling good greetings to the children rather than I'm actually really asking you how you are today because it's just setting a tone for the for the culture of the day or the, the feeling in the room rather than me actually wanting to know what's been happening in the last hour of your life. Um, I'm still happy to have that conversation but it's not the right time when we're greeting each other in front of children. So oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's yeah, a Children look at what you do, not what you say. And yes. one of the challenges is that everyone in the centre very often becomes a role model for the kids. So if uh, you're not able to project positive energy, if you're losing your temper at people or if you're having down days or uh, role modelling inappropriate behaviour, it's amazing how fast the children will pick that up. Right. <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's something we've always strived to have everyone do. You need to have positive role models, and if that's not working, you need to address it straight away. So here's one that I've heard come up in a couple of centres. 
what do you do when you have staff that get so frustrated they'll burst into tears in front of the kids? And they'll say, Sorry, well, that wasn't no, very clear for me, Jeremy. Can you say it again, please? So he, here's one that's come up with a few centres that I've worked with. What do you do with staff who burst into tears easily, who feel that uh, if they get frustrated, it's okay to cry? If it's in front of the children, Jeremy, I think that the best thing is to direct them to the staff room, um, perhaps to make a cup of tea or to, to take a five-minute break, which allows mm -hmm. the rest of the team to continue without that person. Um, and then to go and speak to that person in private about what's happening. I think the response from there differs depending on what's happening. If it's a staff member that um, is actually having a difficult time outside, then perhaps that needs to be addressed with some leave and cover. Um, if it's something that's regular, then perhaps it then needs to go into counselling about um, what's happening for the children when they do that and the reasons why understanding why for the children it's important that they um, don't do that and develop strategies to manage that emotion. Um, and that, that can be difficult if you've always been a, an emotional person, but it's important to address that fairly quickly in front of the children. Again, my opinion is that um, it's not appropriate for people to be crying in front of the children for any reason, unless they've maybe hurt their finger and they've got a few tears. That's an appropriate model of emotion. but. Yeah. Um, to cry because I'm, I'm having a difficult day, you know, I don't like the way that I've just been spoken to or um, I'm bringing my personal life to work uh, or those sorts of things they're not appropriate to deal with in front of children and we need no. and it, to, to avoid that. And, and our regulations state that you need to be able to perform your role each day and if, if you, you are not functioning and you're crying everywhere, how can you perform that role? So yeah, strategies need to be taken. You know, they need to leave the staff room, go to the staff room and then you need to assess if they're able to go back in. And what 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 have you done to when that's happened before? Have you had the girls, have they been able to go back in after being so upset or do you send them home? Um, my experience is that um, th there's a whole continuum of responses. Some of them will say, I'm really sorry, I've got it together, I'm right to go back on. Um, and and they do, they manage it, they can just pull it together within a few minutes. Um, others um, find it difficult to understand why they can't be expressive of their emotions because they feel that they have a valid reason for being upset. Um, and at that point, um, there has to be the conversation about whether they can manage it to go back onto the floor, whether they can't. And sometimes you have to make that decision for them that they're, that they're not fit and proper to return to work, um, that they're not fit and proper to look after children whilst they're in such an emotional state. Um, because, you know, young children need us to be attentive to them, um, not to our own needs as much. And there's health and safety um, risks when we're not attentive. Um, we need to be able to supervise 100%. Um, it's not good enough to be supervising at 90%. So um, sometimes as That's supervisors, right. we have to make that decision that they're not fit and proper and um, and then manage it through our policies and procedures and whether that's managed with short-term, long-term leave or ultimately termination from their positions, um, that has to be addressed through management. Yep. Part of what and you're that's also basically saying what is... we do as well. So. Yeah. 
Sorry, and in our you... service, we're, we're quite a small service compared to um, Albina with multiple centres. So in our service, it's critical that every team member is is giving 100% when they come to work. Um, and I would even argue that it's almost 110%. Um, so when we have a team member or or in the past where we've had two team members um, in quite you know a state and not able to... Um, you know, give 100% to the team, that makes it very difficult for the rest of us who are um, yeah, for sure. and picking up the pieces. So we have to be able to manage those um, within a fairly short period of time. And my experience And what's your frame time... Sorry, Sue. What was yeah. your frame time of um, a short period of time for that? Because, like, um, like, we've all gone through that. Like, I've had 22 yeah. years experience in this and... Um, in education and care and you know on one hand we have to support the staff because um, we want them to stay but on the other hand if they're not functioning yes they need to go so sorry what was your term your time so, frame um, for something like that? An example of the shortest time that I've um, managed um, a staff member through that procedure would be two weeks um, where they took two mm -hmm. weeks leave and at the end of two weeks leave um, it was agreed that by mutual agreement we would terminate um, the employment. Um, so that was two weeks, but they actually didn't work that two weeks. Um, so no. that's a fairly short period of time, and that was managed with three meetings in the mean in in between as well. Um, but the employee was agreeable to the process, so that's why it was fairly um, short. An example of where it's been longer term would probably be six months, where we work through, let's try this, let's try this, and then um, there was repeated failure to meet contract agreements. Um, and so then as you go through that process, um, our process is that we can terminate after one failure. It's not three warnings. Um, it can be just one because we have such a small team. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it takes six or seven months to work out whether that person's the right fit for the team. Yeah. And what you're talking about here is also with many of the junior staff that are coming in, they're quite lacking in emotional intelligence. And by that I mean the actual self-awareness in terms of their own emotional states and their power to be able to regulate that. And that's why that's quite, quite a popular topic when we teach it in terms of allowing people to identify what are the triggers that set them off and more importantly allow them to put a gap between stimulus and response. So whereas it used to be stimulus, um, someone spoke to me in the wrong way, response, I cry, it allows them to install a new loop, um, a new loop there so instead of uh, making that jump automatically they become aware of what's going on and their ability to respond appropriately. And that's something that takes a little bit of time to help people develop and very often they just don't even have the awareness of the emotions uh, that they're experiencing or that they have control to be able to self-regulate. And, and it's very true what you're saying because we do see it with some of our younger team members and they are like they're in their early 20s and they do do that. They, you know, and I'm sure it happens in every centre. You've got someone that has, feels too much pressure, they start to cry and then they actually tell you what the story is and even though we provided them with the training for the communication, they still seem to um, mm. 
say, yeah, I need to communicate, but actually don't act on that. So we have to reiterate that to them and then go through processes of managing how they perform um, and go from there. And that's, it seems to be that Sue's saying the same things that I've been doing, um, you know, managing how they perform and what's going on and seeing if you have to go further with managing them out or not. So, yeah, we're on the same page, Sue. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I would also say that over the last probably two years that um, we are increasingly seeing um, school leavers coming into the industry because because of the way that the award is set up, that, that's a, making it attractive to employ school leavers. But what we're also seeing is that the school leavers don't have the skills that they did, say, 15, 20 years ago or are able to manage the expectations or perhaps the expectations have increased so much that it's overwhelming or a combination of those and so what we're seeing is that we do have to be able to be different types of leaders to manage a different culture that's emerging or being placed on us as well that 15 20 years ago it was different to employ a school leader compared to what it is for sure for sure it is very different and it looks it it looks like you have to invest emotional time in them as well to to get the results like we've said but um it's a lot more work emotionally investing into mm. these team members than yes exactly what you said 15 20 years ago we just yeah. did our work I, I we, think... we sorry, sorry? Cut you off, Albina. um i think also um our um screening processes when we employ people have had to evolve as well that we have to be better at yeah. interviewing and discovering um, whether people can fulfil the role through our interview process and perhaps the trial periods. Um, one of the, the one of the changes that we've made to trainee policies is that um, we exercise the second month of probation. Um, currently, it's one month, but you can ask for an extension of that to two months. And so we've. We exercise that second month of probationary period with all our trainees as policy because it gives us another four weeks to make that decision about whether we commit to the contract for 12 months. Um, And that's a really important time frame to be able to decide whether this is going to be the right fit for the service and whether their literacy levels are able to meet the expectations of quality framework and... Um, and curriculum documenting. So, um, yeah, that's Well, the challenge is very often mm. you're also breaking a fantasy of uh, people who are coming into childcare because I love playing with yeah. kids. And, uh, you know, childcare these days is so different from what it was 10 years ago in terms of the regulations and documentation required to meet some of the NQF yeah. guidelines. Is, uh, and the challenge is there's also... A whole skill set required to shift between being that lovely people focused person who's amazing with the kids and the task focused person who's just got to get the paperwork done. Mm. So one of the real keys in um, in bringing great team members on board is not only to have clear job descriptions for exactly what's required, uh, also having those difficult conversations up front in terms of breaking some of those fantasies in terms of this is what child care is about, but also to have a carefully crafted induction plan. And that is a very clear plan for the first four weeks in terms of what's happening day by day to really help the person come up to speed with the role 
and to really understand what's going on and what they need to uh, be doing and what they need to be thinking and how they need to be interacting in order to be successful. And the challenge in so many centres is there's just so much going on to make the time to make that happen doesn't doesn't um, always happen or not enough time is put into the induction and training process. I, I think it's very essential to remember that, like, and this is something I've done about three times, is um, investing in recruitment and training. Um, we've I've done that and it, it does help a lot and make sure you do the reference checks and they're from employers rather than people in the same room and um, make sure that's coming through when, you, when you're scanning resumes. But also, um, yeah, we did put into place um, a couple of, probably in 2011, um, we have um, induction processes where we have individual meetings through that induction process time to make sure that everything's going smoothly for them and for us and give them, give them the feedback even in their probation periods when we trial them. Because before we actually employ them, we do trial our team members. Um, yes. And we do pay them at the time, but we make sure we do that and see if they're a fit. Um, and then we do have a probation time for them of six months. So, you know, always assessing what they're doing. Mm. But what you find, what what happens is, is what you've got a concern about, I suppose, is staff burnout or how they react after that. So they're all fine and dandy for the six months, but then you get to eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 months. What's happening there? What's happening with them there? You know what I mean? And And you're right, they have to be honest with us so we can be honest with them and help them as well. So that's, all these things that come into play. So we can do our job and do these things, but they have to come to the table as well. So we're supporting them a lot, but we need them to support us in this process also. Absolutely. And actually understanding this is part of the normal performance cycle that people do have very often have that slump after yes. five or six months and just being aware for when it happens and then for your opportunity to take that person out for a coffee and to once again get clear and remind them of why they're doing what they're doing, how important it is to really, um, you know, one of one of the really important things to keep in mind as a leader is you can't manage people. You can only manage agreements. And when you bring a new employee on, you make a set of agreements with them in terms of the expectations that come along with that come along with the position that you're offering. People always talk about, well, it's my right to be paid. Well, to come along with that, there's certain responsibilities and to hold them accountable to the agreements that you've made in terms of their responsibilities, what they bring to the table. Because very often, they're testing you and they want to see if they can get away with the small things. And if you let them away with the small things, then bigger things tend to follow. Yep, they sure do. Very and that's something I've Very definitely true. learned and I, I've had to, like I said to Jeremy the other day, I came back first day from a holiday and I said if I don't get this paperwork you know I'll, I'll we'll have a soon talking and, and I got the paperwork after four times of asking for it before my holiday and I got the paperwork with the if I don't get that paperwork today watch out I'm going to have to have a soon talking to you and then I got the paperwork and they are testing it's very true sometimes and that's a shame like we're all here for the greater good of the children and everybody else so it's, it'd be great if we could all get along and not have these little politics in the team. But unfortunately, they're there and we have to adjust and work with them. And, Absolutely. And, and if you make the exception <laughs> for one person, then you've got to make the exception for everyone. Well, that's if it's it. okay that uh, have... one of the girls doesn't have to complete her paperwork, then you're sending the message. None of the girls well, have to right. complete their paperwork. No, and that's it. And yeah. we've used lots of agreements and deadlines now because we've had to. And, and it's worked. Yes. So, yeah.
And even if it means that they're staying back on their own time to finish it yep. after the day is done, once again, it's it's really important because without that documentation, you're left mm -hmm. very vulnerable as the owner of the centre. No, and as you say, and that's very a good point to bring up, they're already paid for that work. We've already paid them to do that work. So them not doing that work means they're not performing their job. So we're actually giving them another chance whether other employees agree with it or not. We are giving them another chance to, to finish that work off that we've already paid them for. And it's rightly so that they should be able to do it out of their hours because they've already had that time. We have extra staff on the floor, so they should manage it well. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, so now we're going to talk about something that I think will be of value to anyone who's already got a centre because like it or not, there's already a culture there. The challenge is it may not be the culture that you really want from your team. So if you've got an environment where you've got staff that are negative or don't want to take ownership who are really doing the minimum to get by and you want, you want to make a change, what's the best way for us to start actually moving from where you're at to where you want to go? And one of the tough things about making this transition is it may actually cause some people to leave your center. However, the opportunity it presents is that you'll have a much tighter and uh, better team and you'll actually have the opportunity to bring in great people who are a better fit for the culture that you really want to create. So one of the things is as a leader actually taking responsibility. Your job is about alignment and about communication and to actually have a team meeting and to step up and say, guys, I'd like to apologize. It's my role to create a fantastic environment here. And at the moment, I don't feel like we've got it. Here's really what I'd like to create. Let's have a discussion around how we can do this together, how we can each take responsibility to make it happen. How do we hold each other accountable? Because the great thing is when you take responsibility as a leader, Others will take responsibility as well and they'll say, no, it's not just up to you, Albina. Here's what I will do. So one of the things you have to do is to really lead by example. What would, um, in your experience, Sue, what's, what's been the effect of having meetings like that with your team? Mm, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think that I've taken over a few centres um, in my time and um, definitely... Um, walked in wanting to change the culture overnight, but it's not that's not a realistic um, expectation. Um, I like having the meeting about um, this is my vision for the centre and this is what we will do. Um, talking rather than talking about me as the leader, this is what I want, um, what my vision for the team is, and inviting people to to join in the change is helpful. Um, giving them some ownership and input is important in those meetings. But often it comes down to the day-to-day -day interactions that you have with the staff that um, help the culture change. And I often walk in each day saying, okay, if only I could change one thing today, what would it be? Or if, if only we did this, it would make such a huge difference to the day. Um, and it might be, let's move the bin from one end of the room to the other um, to... Um, let's model um, this particular language to the children or um, what if we teach the children to do this so that um, you know, they're, they're having um, an increased sense of agency um, throughout the day. So whatever the change is, um, inviting people to say, hey, let's, let's try this today. 
um, I'll show you what I'm talking about and then the next day, how about you come and do it with me um, and then the next day, um, okay, you do and I'll, I'll help you and then the next day getting them to do it by themselves. So over four or five days, you make little changes um, and it's like building a wall brick by brick um, and that's how you make, or that's how I make changes over time and, and until we get to the culture that I'm after. And sometimes I might make a change on one particular thing three or four times because the change that I made at one centre might not work in the same way at a different centre. So sometimes you have to tweak over time. And that brick by brick, what you're building is a bridge and that bridge is called trust because people don't work for companies, they work for people. And it's all about building those relationships of trust where people feel they can speak open and honestly and their opinions are valued. I loved what you said, Sue, about focusing on one thing. And that's a great thing to do with your team, to sit down with them, to have a quick three-minute team meeting before the day starts to say, guys, I really, I noticed specifically how you were doing this yesterday. It was fantastic. And here's one thing that I'd like everyone to focus on today. Mm. And as a leader, it's really important to be aware of your language. And a word that comes up far too often for many managers is the word but. And psychologically, anything that comes before the word but is a lie. So if I say to you, Sue, you did a really good job yesterday, but I'd like you to focus on doing this today, what happens is the message I'm actually sending is, Sue, you didn't do a good job yesterday. (laughs) You need to fix this. So true. So if instead you learn to replace that word but with and, Sue, you did a great job yesterday. I noticed how you specifically did this, this, and this. And something I think that if you focus on today will help you get an even better result in this area would be this. So that's a much more powerful way to give feedback. Yeah, and that's right. And that's what I was talking about at the beginning about not fluffing or sandwiching it because we're all taught to sandwich comments to parents and things. And I think we've, because we've learned as teachers to um, communicate that way, we bring it into our staff management. And so that's something I had to learn was, um, well, we're not, I can't always use a sandwich with team members. I have to say, this is what, this is, the way it is, we need to discuss this and look at options of how to improve it without the sandwich and saying it was lovely yesterday, but this is what we've got to work on and, and then give them a lovely compliment afterwards. We still have to work together and, and show that person we're interested in them and things, but yeah, it has to be more direct these days in a, in a respectful way, in a calm, um, quiet way, I suppose, rather than a, you know, aggressive that some bosses might take on. And that's something I always learned from previous bosses I didn't want to be like that I wanted to be a calm a gentle person and um but for me I've had to find that balance and say well look I need to be truthful I'm not sandwiching it anymore um this is what we need to do and this is what we need to work on how can we do it how do you feel you can come to the table and work on this with us so yeah absolutely and psychologically it's not giving criticism it's giving people honest feedback for improvement and yeah, that's if you right. don't give that's them that, you're depriving them the opportunity to really mm. grow and to really succeed yeah. in their roles. And, and the good the good thing that you said before, too, about um, change is like when you find that people want to come in, they want to change this, they want to change that, they want to change this. It never works. You need to take it slowly. Make goals mm. for everybody on what you need to work on one at a time and work on that. And you're right. It, it, does, it does work well that way. So earlier, Albina, I'm really glad you brought up about um, Bruce Tuckman and the stages of team development 
And in his study back in 1965, he really talked about the four stages, the forming, the storming, the norming and performing, is not only necessary, it's really inevitable. And it's the growth yes. the team has to go through in order to be able to work together to get results. And one of the challenges about this is what happens is every time a new person comes into a team, the team has to yes, go back way. through this process. The forming, which is about yes. getting to know you and really where everyone's focused on themselves, so the storming where you have those inevitable personality clashes and a few opinions and people test test um, the boundaries of what's possible. And it's, it's not until you get that level of norming where you really have that spirit of cooperation, the shared aligned goals and values and um, that you can then get the great performance from the team. So part of it is actually preempting and knowing as a leader when you bring a new person into the team, this is what's going to happen. And we can preempt this somewhat by actually having a clear plan to manage the team, go through that process more quickly. Yeah, and that's what we do. Every um, team meeting, we, we go through that for not just the first meeting after a new person might start or if we see a change. So to be honest, at the moment, we're using it every monthly meeting at one centre to make sure that we can see where we are, what we need to work on, what are the goals for our team. Um, and I find it's been working in terms of making them aware of what they need to work on and where they need to be in working on that. And, and they create strategies of how to work on it. And then we review it each month and see where we're at and what other plans we can make to get up to norming or um, performing is the ultimate goal. Another great strategy you can actually use is when someone comes into the centre, give them a buddy or a mentor, not necessarily yes. a, a superior but someone, because the challenge very often is being new, people don't want to appear vulnerable. Uh, admission mm -hmm. they don't know can be a bit scary to make. So to give them someone to check in with and uh, and to go to when they're, when they're feeling a little bit challenged, it can be another outlet to help diffuse um, situations before they become um, too out of control. Yes, that's true. Um, we, we do buddy systems, or we call it mentoring actually, and we have goals that they work on with their buddy. For us, it has been um, one of the, the longer term people, which are the trained um, diplomas in the room, um, because they've been there longer and they, they have more concepts of the policies and procedures that we have in our education and care centres. Um, it wouldn't work if you had two new staff members being buddies together and we found experience of that, that that sometimes the younger staff would like to buddy off with a younger staff member they both haven't been there as long and they start to create their own little rules and things so it would be great if they could be on the same level but that doesn't always happen it has to be someone that's been here a while so you have to assess who you've got it might be someone from a different room over the centres or it might be someone from another centre but that works well as well Um, so coming back to you, Sue, yes. Yeah, at our service, we're, we're actually not big enough to have buddies and mentors unless it's me mentoring the rest of my team. So we, um, to solve that problem, we buddied up with another service and I basically opened the phone book and kept ringing until I found someone that was similar to us and was interested in doing the same thing. So we actually have mentors between us another, and another service um, in the next suburb um, and we get together every month and have team meetings 
um, and there's material that people read before they come to the meeting um, and then we work through um, in a workshop style um, meeting for one hour and, and through that we work with our um, mentors and some of the relationships are, are more formal than the others. Others are, let's buddy up on the day. Um, others are, are more formal, I'll always work with you. Um, so yeah, that, that's how we solved that problem. Otherwise I find it's just me um, doing that role with every single person and I don't think that necessarily always works. Yeah. It's a creative idea, so it's good because it's it's nice to see that other team, other childcare centres in your area are willing to share and um, mm. not feel threatened or compete. That's a lovely thing that happens. We've got a good networking system up here in the Hills area as well, and um, we, yeah. we do a lot of sharing like that. So it, it's quite nice to see. We used to like sometimes you would see people that were a bit, oh, we don't want to join um, a networking system because they don't want to share their ideas, but. I'm very pro of that idea, like networking and sharing, and we have an educational leaders group as well here that we've we've got going as well. So that's another way of networking to help the educational leaders or other people to get ideas as well. But I like that that you've got two private centres, hopefully, like meetings and mentoring. It's lovely. Yeah, it is, and it, and it feels good. And uh, we finished up the year. We went. Um down to the speedway. We had our last meeting at the speedway and then we went onto the racetrack and um, had races in two teams and yeah, cool. it was it was a good way to finish up the year and, and it felt good to network with another service and and also to get ideas. Um, some of the people in the team had never been into another centre. Some of my team members came to this preschool and it was their first preschool that they worked in um, and so they hadn't actually stepped into another childcare centre ever. So and so wow. for the other service they had team members that um, had only ever been in their childcare centre environment, had never walked into another service. So um, even just that experience of walking into another service and seeing the similarities and differences was great yeah. for some of our younger team members. The fastest That's way great. to change your thinking is to change your environment. So it's so powerful mm. to go into a new environment. And one of the things that happens with some of our, we have childcare leadership roundtables where we bring together managers and owners of childcare centres to workshop some of the some of the more challenge, challenging issues that face the industry today. It's, um, it's amazing how they, people come with that uh, real positive attitude to be able to to be able to give, to be able to share, and to be able to make a difference. Because at the end of the day, we are all in this together, and through helping others, we do help ourselves get a better result at the end of the day. Definitely, it's all about community and and enjoying the work. Um, because I think most people are in childcare because they enjoy their work. So it is good to be able to to do your work in a in a way that's enjoyable. Absolutely, Very and so. as the leader of the organisation, it's essential that you enjoy your work. Otherwise, you can't expect your staff to. So part of it is about making that choice in terms of what is it you need to create the environment to be for it to be a place that you love to come and can really enjoy what you do, and then you can bring the team around you because whatever whatever goes on for you will typically also show up as for your team. And childcare, while there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of challenges that come, there's a lot of joy as well and when you create that great team and when you create the great culture and a great environment it can be a it can be a fantastic uh, and really enjoyable and fulfilling career
It is. Very much it so. Is. Yeah, it is, yep. It's lovely when you can help everyone involved and to see the community flourishing. It's it's a great reward for sure. Excellent. So I'd like to thank uh, both Albina and Sue for joining us on the call today and for sharing. You had some amazing points that I think uh, people will get some real value from. And a reminder to anyone listening out there, you don't get value from listening, you get value from acting. So be sure to get clear on a couple of action points that you can start to really make a positive change to your cultures today to build the teams that you deserve. And um, stay tuned, we'll have more of these in the future. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Albina.